0: For well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means.
1: Connecting the Dots with Dan Happel. Tonight's featured show is Connecting the Dots with Dan Happel. Welcome to the Republic News Network for our live national broadcast. You may call me Kelby, and tonight I'm going to be acting as your moderator. The RNN, which stands for the Republic News Network, has been doing this radio show since 2010, and it's always been a friendly introduction for the people of the United States Corporation. Here we go. It's true. The United States is a federal corporation and their exclusive jurisdiction is in the District of Columbia. The Republic government was simply a bunch of U.S. citizens that in law don't have access to the Bill of Rights. And they realized they wanted to be Americans as our founders and our law provided each and every one of us. See, we've been hard at work since 2008. And since 2010, we have successfully re-inhabited the original government vacated under Lincoln in 1861. I know. It's hard to understand. Don't worry. We are law-abiding, peaceful Americans and very pro-government, and we love our country. You can consider the Republic members are tired of the corruption that we see every day. See, we found in the law that there is two forms of government here on the land, and we did something about it. We are people. Mothers, fathers, sons, daughters. We have families just like you we simply found some truths, and now we're sharing these important truths with the rest of the world so get ready to hear things that sound amazing and get ready to understand that you too are about to be a part of history we welcome each one of you to connecting the dots with dan happel and your republic if you so choose but before we go into our broadcast tonight please bow your head in prayer Father God, we want to thank you so much for this opportunity to just pray as a free body politic of people in this nation. Bless the speakers. Bless Dan Happel and the show. And uh, we give this show to you, and we pray this in your son's name. Mr. Happel, I yield the floor.
0: Well, thank you, Kelby. And uh, we're going to be getting an update tonight. Uh, Bob Fanning has been a, a frequent guest on our Connecting the Dots radio show and he's been a frequent guest because he's always providing new information on the economy, on the financial markets, and on what's been happening in our country that is affecting every one of us, every taxpayer and every parent and every person who has to pay their bills. And uh Bob is uh he is a experienced bond trader. He has uh, been uh, spent a great deal of time on Wall Street. He's uh, worked as a uh, bond trader at the Chicago Board of Trade. He is now uh, a retired uh, gentleman in Montana, but he is also uh, keeping his finger on the pulse of the financial markets worldwide because that's the way Bob is. And uh, I want to uh, welcome Bob, I want to welcome you to the show tonight, but I also want to say that we've had a lot of a real positive response when we've had you on before, and people like to hear about what's going on with the Federal Reserve, with the financial markets, and especially now that there seems to be a major move afoot to try to discredit President Trump and to try to Uh, let's say, take his presidency away from him. And uh, you and I both uh, have talked about this a great deal, but there is a movement afoot. It's called globalism. It's called progressive socialism. And it is something that uh, the leaders of the past number of administrations have been moving forward on a constant basis. And the Obama years really accelerated that plan, and now President Trump seems to be sticking his foot uh, right in the middle of the, of the roadway to uh, globalism, and boy, they don't like it much. So uh, with that, Bob, welcome to the show, and uh, you can certainly give our listeners a little bit more background on you, but um, uh, then maybe we can move into what's been happening in the financial markets.
2: Well, first I want to give your listeners a little bit of the background on you. This is the ninth time that I've spoken for Dan Happel. And I'm very grateful that he's invited me to speak before his friend G. Edward Griffin and the audience that he has grown from the tens of thousands to the millions. And I always say yes to Dan because Dan Hample is an uncommonly decent human being and a real gentleman, and I always love the chance of going on your show. So thank you for inviting me, Dan.
0: Well, thank you, Bob. That's uh, awfully kind of you. It really is. Thank you. And uh,
2: what I've done in the the past eight uh, speaking engagements is sound the warnings of uh, the uh, problems in the sovereign debt market. The the Middle East is having trouble borrowing or they borrow too much and it's, it's just not, uh, not working for them anymore. And, uh, we've also spoken about the credit default swaps market. We've spoken about the housing meltdown and, uh, the last time I was on we were talking about the freeze in in interbank lending because the Federal Reserve was uh, going to dump toxic securities that they've been buying up uh, on an unsuspecting public and uh, so it's always been watch out the sky is falling what I'm seeing now is uh, that uh we're about to see an uh, an aberration a, uh, a a great thing happen where cash flow in America is increasing in its velocity and its volume thanks to the the shale oil market and uh the shale oil is coming out of the Bakken and other many other places in the United States. It's a lighter, sweeter crude. It's a superior crude. And, and it's easier to refine. And uh, this cash flow was unforeseen, especially in the pall that Mr. Obama had created over the last eight years. We we just didn't see it happening, and Obama's policies were globalist and uh, celebrated the UN Agenda 21, and the Pedro dictators from the United Nations were having uh, undue access to the White House and to our policy wonks, and that party's over. Mr. Trump fixed it, and uh, I would have to bring Dan back to May 26, 2016, and Dan was up on the stage with all the VIPs, and I was down in the peanut gallery, and Dan was right behind Mr. Trump as he gave his speech, and Ryan Zinke gave the introductory comments before Mr. Trump took the stage to speak to 26,000, or on May 26 to 20,000 Montanans at the Metro. And uh, Mr. Trump stood there, and I stood in the back of the room with Ryan Zinke, and uh, we didn't realize it, or I didn't realize it, but we were standing, I was standing in front of Harold Hamm, the chairman of the Board of Continental Resources, the largest employer in the Bakken. So, Mr. Mr. Trump said, and this is before the July 18th Cleveland decision that made Trump the candidate, Uh, Mr. Trump said uh, that he and Mr. Ham were going to make America great again by bringing back the shale oil industry. Just like every other campaign promise that Mr. Trump is making, he held good on it. And I called Dan just the other day because an article appeared in the uh, New American. That's a magazine published by the John Birch Society, and it, it uh, was speaking about the uptick or the the, the big move in America to export uh, our uh, fracked oil. Uh, our Shale oil that is coming out, and we are now, according to Citibank, we are now going to take the number one position next year as an oil exporting country in the world. Mr. Trump has made the United States of America the world's gas station. Now there are there are a lot of people, including Eric Olson, who I just spoke to before this show. Who think we ought to, rather than shipping it overseas, we ought to hold it on our own economy and use that oil to uh, to help the American economy? Well, oil and money, in my humble opinion, is fungible. You, you can use it thanks to arbitrageurs. You can use it as currency on the high seas. So I don't see it that important that we hold the oil in the United States of America. But I do see what I was taught on Wall Street at the ripe old age of 24 uh, in 1974. I was taught about the, the velocity of money, what they called back there in Dr. Stuart Gameroff's class is super money. Super money for the audience is if you put a dollar into your checking account, the bank can lend $10. And so the velocity of money under um, the, the, the uh, uh, uptick in shale oil production is creating a cash flow and, and a multiple of transactions that I would believe will bring an un, unprecedented, unprecedented prosperity to the United States of America right now. And, and if you add on top of that, the reason I voted for Trump is he was going to bring back uh, $1.77 trillion in unpaid taxes – that had accrued offshore because of outsourcing. We outsource a lot of jobs to the BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, China, Vietnam, all points except America, and got a lot of our jobs. But the, the taxes that were earned by our multinationals, by as multinationals, are coming home. So if we have a, a, a cash infusion of $1.77 trillion that's going to go into infrastructure development and you've got, got the number one spot as an oil exporter, I envision, I predict, confidently predict, that the United States is about to enter a period of prosperity that will be unprecedented. And I'm also going to predict that socialism will finally be defeated forever. And I hope to tell that right to Pope John Paul. Global governance is not going to happen. Thanks to say
0: that's uh... that's quite a prediction bob you know after we uh... talked about this the other day i started thinking about it and i'm going to throw a new wrinkle in here and i'll bet you'll uh... know exactly how to respond to it but in nineteen seventy one richard nixon took us off the gold standard uh... which really put the united states in in a bit of a bind because Uh, We were the world's reserve currency. We still are. In uh, 1973 and 74, we got tied in with what was called the petrodollar. The dollar, it was agreed between the uh, petroleum exporting countries in the United States that they would do their transactions in dollars, and that way we could retain the reserve currency role and it was uh it was guaranteed because so much of energy which is such a huge amount of our our uh industrial base was transacted in dollars there's been a very very uh concerted effort afoot by the BRICS and other countries to dethrone the dollar as the world's reserve currency and, and frankly, since we don't have uh, gold backing our dollar anymore, and more and more of the uh, petroleum exporting countries are starting to deal in euros, in yuan, in rubles, in just about everything but the dollar, that put us in a really precarious position. If we become the number one oil exporter, that should uh, reassert that uh, world reserve currency role to the United States. Okay, Bob, what do you think about that?
2: Uh, I think that we are always have been and always will be the world's reserve currency. We don't just have oil like Russia we don't just have labor like china that's what the outsourcing boom was all about was uh, labor arbitrage the, the the it was cheaper labor over in china they arbitraged it back to the united states and the 1.77 trillion that i spoke of is uh, the the windfall of us paying the Chinese $3 an hour versus $30 an hour that's being paid in the Rust Belt. Arbitrage is what I've done my whole life. It's selling one thing against another. Why is it important? The partner in charge of arbitrage was Robert Rubin. And they made him the the chairman of the board of Citibank, and then they made him the uh, secretary of the treasury. Uh, arbitrage, arbitrage is uh, is it's here to stay, and oil is is bought and sold against gold, which is bought and sold against rubles, and dollars, and one. And when whenever there's just a little bit of uh, the spread out of whack, the arbitrageurs jump in and and, uh, and trade it back into where it's supposed to be. And just because the, the Chinese uh, uh, lust after being the world's new reserve currency doesn't make mean these things are going to happen. Just because they call it an exorbitant privilege that the United States enjoys, well, tough toenails. We're a 240-year-old economy, and the best one on Earth, and we're about to get better. We did we did an, a, a, a wage arbitrage with the Ch- Chinese, and, and now we're we're about to do uh, arbitrage with uh, oil and gold and dollars and $1.25 quadrillion worth of derivatives to get the job done. And I don't think that the Chinese have a snowball's chance in hell of becoming the world's reserve currency now that we have our uh, uh, shale oil business taking the lead role uh, as uh, the world's greatest petroleum ex- uh, exporter we we all already have the fortune 500 or the russell 2000 that's exporting anything that we can think of exporting and uh, we 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 export our manufactured goods we Export our natural resource-based economies, and now we're going to uh, be the world's largest exporter of oil. So we just get better. America just gets better. American expo- ex- exceptionalism just gets better, and uh, I don't see I don't see us genuflecting to the Chinese anytime soon. I don't see us genuflecting to the petrodictators dictators at the U.N. anymore. You know, and the, the, their idea is to uh, cut production, which is an Islamic form of suicide. The, 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 the only thing they have for sale is oil and they're going to cut production and give us a greater portion of the market share, I couldn't be happier for America. I'm 68. I'm not going to live forever. And I see America under Trump becoming so powerful, it's not funny.
0: Well, you know, Bob, I really appreciate your optimism, and I have a lot of that uh, same optimism. But I I, I have to say, under Obama and, and to a certain extent under Bush, George W. Bush, and certainly uh, even going back to Clinton, we saw we saw a transferring of our industrial base. Our natural resources were being shut down uh, one after another. Our mining, our our all of our natural resource exports were uh, really in trouble. And what I saw happening, and of course this is part of UN Agenda 21, as you know, is the transfer of wealth from our country to every other undeveloped country in the world with the ultimate goal of weakening America so much that we were nothing more than just one more country in a global government. And I see with the Trump administration he said he was going to make America great again. Um, he certainly is doing some things that will help us to reassert our our strength in in very positive ways, and that's what you're referring to.
2: That's exactly what I'm referring to. Uh, and I, I spent the last eight eight years wringing my hands over Obama's. Uh, intentional destruction of this country and, and now i see mr trump in in a, in a year has been able to unwind all of the the uh, not all but a, a good portion of the mess that obama made of this country and the, the more the more that he succeeds the, the, the deeper into the dustbin of history go socialism and uh you know, if if trump can yeah. make it to 2020 uh or t- further holy smokes they'll never they'll forget about lenin and uh, stalin and and obama and hirtake
0: mm-hmm. well um I I don't want to be unduly optimistic. We've still got a lot of things hanging over our head, like the the uh, credit default swaps, the uh, derivatives market, the the uh, housing bubble, and a lot of things that were based on a huge amount of debt. But you're right. Uh, when we start exporting. Uh, a lot of things, and we start bringing our industrial base back to this country. Uh, Katie, bar the doors, because American exceptionalism really is something that we need to be uh, fully supportive of. And the fact is, is that we were the greatest country and are the greatest country in the world because of the liberty that our system provided to us. And we need to return to that. There's no question about it.
2: No question.
0: But, uh, you know, it, it,
2: if I have uh, any say-so on what my epitaph is on my tombstone, uh, I want to uh, just have my birthday and my birth, uh, my death year, uh, and uh, uh, the epitaph will read, the adults are now in charge. That's exactly what we, – we, we, it's okay to take a risk. It's, it, it's okay to be optimistic. And uh, it's, it's okay to be patriotic. And uh, I, I couldn't be happier uh, to see Trump's policies do things like make us the world's biggest oil exporter pretty much overnight. He's only been there a year.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's happened quickly. What about all the other things that we've been talking about, though, like the credit default swaps and the interbank lending and some of the other things? You know, there are a lot of people, a lot of forces aligned against Trump, and he's really succeeded in ways that astound us because, in fact, he's uh, in many ways uh, beating the odds. Uh, what, what do you think about the the upcoming uh, potential for him to continue to beat the odds against really uh, nasty, nasty players.
2: Well, you and I were having a private conversation before I went on your show uh, around Valentine's Day with Charles Ortel, And uh, I was searching for words or terms, and uh, we are talking about the deep state. And Dan Hampel said, well, the deep state is a Federal Reserve, and uh, I couldn't agree more. So the, the Federal Reserve, according to Dr. William K. Black, we had the worst recession since 1929. Ten million people lost their homes. Fourteen million people lost their jobs. And uh, it was... According to Dr. William Black, the number one white-collar crimes expert in America, uh, Dr. Black said that the reason we had a uh, a meltdown in 08 is because the Federal Reserve refused to to, uh, enforce their own anti-fraud regulations. If I ever got a chance to meet Mr. Trump, which I hope happens when he makes me the director of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. That's for another conversation. If I ever have a chance to to meet Mr. Trump, I want to encourage him to have a cup of coffee once a quarter with the uh, uh, anti-fraud regulator at the Federal Reserve Board to make sure that there are no more scams being pulled like they pulled in 2008. One would have thought that these people would have loved their country enough or had enough empathy or or, or learned from their past dastardly deed that they would self-regulate. Now we see the Wells Fargo is pulling the same kind of stunt with client records, with account records. So we need an anti-fraud regulator. We need him to, to be really good at what he does. And we need him to have a cup of coffee with Mr. Trump once a quarter. That's, that's what my recommendation is. Mm-hmm. I, I could see Mr. Trump as the most powerful president ever if he you, if you would ride a herd on bankster fraud.
0: Okay. What do you think about the uh, the credit markets right now? I know you were concerned even just um, a month ago about the fact that interbank lending was at an almost all-time low. How has that changed in, in the last month?
2: I will report back as a
0: uh,
2: a trader who is a, a better bear than he is a bull, and I can tell you that with the Federal Reserve unwinding their balance sheet with all this toxic debt to be sold, and uh, the world awash in uh, in debt. And bubbles in places like the the uh, automobile loans or the st- student loans. I, I like I like the short, playing it from the short side better than the long side. And since I was last on your show, bonds haven't done the squat. If you can you can sit there. It's like watching paint dry. I'm from the '80s. I'm from the 80s, and I'm known in the summertime to walk out of the bond pit at 8 o'clock after a 720 opening, making enough money, where I'm going to just book it, and I'll walk out of the bond pit and and yell cha-ching and leave and go and lay in the pool. Those days are (laughs) over. That's Mm -hmm. the truth. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it isn't moving around. The bond market is not moving around. I wish I could report back to you that it's extremely volatile and I'm making a boatload of dough. That ain't happening.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, they've uh, they've artificially kept the uh, the interest rates literally at at almost zero for so long, and that you know a lot of that money went into the stock market. A lot of that money. Uh, didn't get circulated in our economy. And now we're starting to see more money actually circulating in the economy because there's a, a, a new optimism about where the uh, where the country is heading. And that is almost 100% due to uh, President Trump's in- intervention, a lot of the things that he's done. Um, a- am I right with that, Bob?
2: if Mr. Trump wanted to take my advice, and when he runs for the the second term, his slogan should be, "The adults are in charge." That's it. I couldn't be happier with what's going on. You know, just for just for grins and giggles, he ends the Korean War after six almost seventy years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, he's done amazing things and uh I, he doesn't get the credit he, yeah, he does, yeah. certainly doesn't get the credit and he's, he's not getting any credit for the shale oil boom mm-hmm. and uh, he should you know people are taking risk because the adults are in charge
0: mm-hmm. well and uh we're opening up a lot of our natural resources again, even though most of them have been shut down and really tied up. Uh, And there's a long ways to go, but he is trying to do things that allow us to actually utilize the the natural resources that this great country has.
2: And he he made uh, Secretary of Interior, a gentleman who you and I both know to be a centrist, he's not, certainly not an extremist in either direction, is Ryan Sinke. So Sinke is aware of not only the, the sanctity of the environment, but he's also uh, an MBA who who knows about making America great again by providing jobs and I think that the, when it, you and I were together on May 26th of uh, 16, that uh, when Mr. Trump said, "Mr. Ham and I are going to make America great again by bringing back the Bakken," he meant it. And uh, mm-hmm. here you, you you see Citibank saying that we're going to take the position that of number one is, is energy exporter. Well, the, the next thing could be uh, a pine beetle destroyed timber. It could, could be uh, a coal. We need coal. We need, we need to license refineries. We need to bring uh, coal-fired utilities back. And I, I can see Mr. Trump doing all the right moves by the time he leaves office Mm -hmm. and undoing all of the dastardly deeds that Obama and the UN did to us.
0: Well, you know, uh, Bob, one of the things that uh, made America the industrial giant that that we have been is cheap energy. And uh, energy is necessary to develop an industrial base. Now, you and I both agree on this. We need to protect the environment. But the point is is that you can protect it a lot more easily when you're making money because then you can afford to develop the new technologies and uh, the, the new clean energy systems, and they make economic sense because you, you've got the money to do so. You can't do that as a third-world country.
2: No, and if you slash the price of the BTU, a British thermal unit, whether it's electricity or at the pump or wherever, it, that is, it, it's like a, a tax refund, a tax cut to the people who need it the most. The guy who was paying $130 a month on his electric bill now only pays 100 or less than a hundred, he's gonna he's gonna use that thirty dollars that he saved on his family, on on debt reduction, uh, on discretionary income that will uh, bring back uh, bring back what was sixty five percent of America's jobs were from the entrepreneur, the small businessman. Then they attacked the, the small businessman with the collapse of 08, now now we're going to give him a uh, a cash infusion by cutting his cost of energy. I think it's a brilliant strategy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I had a gentleman on my Tuesday morning radio show uh, just a couple of days ago, Paul Dreesen, who is the author of a book called Eco-Imperialism. And that book postulates that the way that you suppress third world countries, the way that you destroy growing economies, the way that you oppress people of color and uh, people from, uh, let's say, less uh, uh, ideal backgrounds, is by imposing all these environmental regulations that don't allow them to develop energy within their own country. And that's certainly been happening in Africa. Uh, you know, those people there are, are having to live with uh, some areas no electricity, a lot of areas with very limited electricity, and uh, people are forced to use cattle dung and uh, stuff like that to uh, cook their food and to heat their uh, eat water for their uh, for their families, and as a result, they end up with uh, all these nasty diseases and all these problems. And the environmental movement is the one that should be held accountable for that because they are forcing those people to not be able to utilize cheap energy.
2: And the environmental movement would uh, smile to themselves and and think this is eugenics. And those people ought to die because they're useless eaters, and they have no conscience of, about this. The, the the far left are they're not nice people. They're, they're they're mean people, as we saw by the comedian who went into Trump a couple of days ago. They're just not nice people, and so we can't expect them to do nice things for anybody. Uh, I, uh, I I think that uh, what you're referring to is called regulatory lawfare. And bureaucrats use the law, their laws, the laws that they make up in order to conduct warfare against the poor, the voiceless, and the common man. And uh, those are the same people who think they're sticking it to the rich guy when they vote uh socialist mm-hmm. it, it doesn't work that way
0: it yeah well you're right way. and and there's a saying that uh uh socialists love humanity they just hate humans <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> and, and, and one of the hotbeds of uh of marxism in uh in america as uh, the NEA, the teachers, as well as the uh, uh, fish and wildlife people at the state and federal level. Uh, the, they embrace the ten planks of communism. They hate pr- uh, ownership pr- of private property. And if given the opportunity to be the next director of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, I promise – that we're going to have a culture change in the wildlife agencies and bureaucracies that will be, uh, they'll say the Pledge of Allegiance or the employment elsewhere.
0: Well, that's a, that's a, a, a great thought and certainly uh, something that I think a lot of us could, uh, could support at least the, uh, uh... the idea that we need to uh... clean house because our country doesn't work under socialism it was never designed to work under socialism and as a result uh... what we've got in this country right now is completely destroying everything that we believe in and uh... the cornerstone of that is private property bob as you well know If we lose private property and and the ability to own private property in this country, we will have lost our country.
2: That's why they wrote the Magna Carta 800 years ago. Uh, And uh, they gave those people 800 years ago the right to defend their private property, the the individual's absolute right to self-governance, and the right to acquire and defend his private property. So that's where we are. We're right back to 800 years ago, only they don't use the king's men and archers. They use bureaucrats at places like the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service or the Environmental Protection Agency. So we need a complete culture change at these agencies, if you're if you're going to work for we the people, you're going to ride for the brand, uh, and you're mm-hmm. going to be a, a good patriot, or you're going to find a job elsewhere. And I ask your listeners if they like what they're hearing, send Secretary Zinke a short note and ask him that he appoint Bob Fanning as the next director of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Mm-hmm
0: yeah i i uh, i couldn't agree more i think that would be a good move uh Bob tell our listeners uh what you see the deep state uh doing now that so many of these positive things are coming out uh the the bakken oil uh a a change in there i know there's a lot of uh u s corporations are starting to bring production facilities back into the country i, I read about it uh, constantly that that new optimism in trying to reduce the the tax rate uh, corporate tax rate and some of the other things that are intended will really restrengthen our country what do you see the deep state doing to try to stop that
2: Well, first I ask your listeners to subscribe to Dan Happel's definition of the deep state. At the top of the pyramid is the Federal Reserve Board. If the Federal Reserve Board, in order to liquidate these securities, these toxic securities that they bought out of the system, and when they buy securities, they put cash into the system to buy them. That's called quantitative easing we the people should ride a herd on the Federal Reserve Board and tell them that it took them eight years, it took them 10 years to acquire all of these securities. And they damn well better not destroy the economy by raising interest rates, which is the byproduct of selling these securities into the system. So we the people need to take control of our own destinies by making sure that the, the, the deep state, the Federal Reserve Board, does not kill the good work that Trump is doing. But I don't, I don't think they can, with us going to number one in terms of uh, uh, oil production and taking a $1.77 trillion and doing an infrastructure boom, I think that that it's going to be very difficult for the globalists to destroy our economy now, especially yeah. if we, the people I heard, on the, uh, the Reserve Board. Anyway. Well,
0: that's that's the key, and it always has been in this country, is that we we've got an awful lot of people that um, don't seem to have a very, uh, let's say, deep interest in their own well-being. And a lot of people in this country uh, just don't participate. They don't vote. They don't do anything. And they expect the system to support them and to stay together in spite of the fact that they do absolutely nothing. Uh, isn't that a, That's a huge part of the problem we've had, and it's time that our citizens start waking up and, and being part of the solution instead of just more of the problem.
2: I couldn't agree more. The difference, the difference between a slave and a citizen is the citizen is involved in his own uh, self-governance. A slave has no involvement in his own self-governance. He just feels the, the lash of the whip. And I'm not about to accept that rule, no, uh, especially now that we have our guy in. Yeah,
0: well, and, and you know, you always hear the race card being uh, played on, uh, at least uh, the liberals play that a lot. They, you know, every time anybody does anything that stands up for the Constitution, they call us a bunch of, uh, bigots or racists or, you know, there's always a name associated with it to try to demonize everyone. And quite frankly, you know, if you want to you wanna see where the racism, where the bigoting, where the uh, outright, uh, you know, d- demonic forces lie, it's in the people who are trying to demonize us.
2: Dan, did you know who invented the word racism and when it was invented?
0: No, actually I don't.
2: It was Leon Trotsky, one of the grandfathers of communism. Leon Trotsky in 1927 invented the word racism and uh, used it to uh, suppress those who – uh disagreed with the uh communist ideology so it's it's a tool the use of the word racism is a tool to intimidate and you know what free men real free men are not intimidated mm-hmm.
0: right and i and I can tell you that uh anybody i know uh certainly The last thing we want is uh, intimidation or slavery or any group of people to be uh, unnecessarily held down. What we want is we want freedom for everyone from top to bottom, and we want people to be able to uh, really determine their own future because they have the opportunity to do so under a free state.
2: Uh, don't let them use the Trotsky or the uh sololensky tactics on you. If they want to ridicule you, they'd, they'd better do it with quantitative and objective analysis rather than the subjective uh, uh, way that the, the uh, touchy-feely uh, progressives are using I'm not going to break into tears over what you say is empathy empathy is is not uh holding people down it's empathy is lifting people up right and mr right. mr trump mr trump has the uh Alinsky tactics memorized he's he's great at it he uses mm-hmm. it on them rather than allowing them to use it on us. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, I see the the uh, Obama fundamental transformation right now. What we are trying to do, what President Trump is trying to do, is fundamentally transform the fundal, fundamentally transformed America back to what it was originally intended to be.
2: He's doing it fast. Mm-hmm. He's, his successes are are blinding in, in terms of speed and numbers. So uh, I'm a I'm a big Trump fan and have been before it was popular. And uh, I think that Mr. Trump, as a real estate investor, he trades the real estate market. I trade the bond market. And I, uh, I, I saw the way he conducted himself and he, he reverse engineers other people's trades in their their head then he beats them at their own game i i just i just think the world of this guy
0: well um i, I know there are an awful lot of people in this country me included that are uh, pretty much astounded that he has been able to accomplish as much as he had considering uh, what uh, enormous opposition he's had and the fact that he just pretty much ignores it and just wades his way through. And and right. he does honor what he said as campaign promises. It's like, uh, you know, the, the climate accord. Uh, it's like uh, pulling us out of the uh, uh, Iranian nuclear deal. And I, I don't know if you've heard this or not, What's that? TPP, Trans-Pacific Partnership. Yeah, Trans-Pacific Partnership. Uh, There's a lot of this stuff out there. Now, I don't know if you heard this or not, and we're getting a little bit off the financial things, but um, I heard the other day that the uh, actual deal with Iran was, number one, it was never signed by either party. So we were agreeing to this, and we gave back 150 billion dollars back to iran that had been frozen since the ayatollahs took over Uh, and and we went along with these programs and yet the iranians never signed anything and neither did obama we just did it uh, because he said we should do it and in fact the iranians were never held to any agreement because they didn't agree to sign anything
2: there is no agreement, uh, uh, and there certainly was not a treaty that was ratified by a two-thirds majority of the United States Senate. You say, right. We're we're bound. We're we're bound. No, we're not bound. Yeah. I, I wouldn't yeah. want to be bound to a lunch uh, check with the Iranians. They're dishonorable people.
0: Well, certainly the. Uh, the government, of course, that tends to be a, a a tendency of government is, you know, there are a lot of good people in the world that uh, have some really pathetic people leading them and controlling them. And, uh, you know, at, at some point in time, you would think that the people of the world would say, you know, we've had enough of leadership. Uh, let's let's uh, turn the clock back a little bit and let's start to go back to what, uh, what the American system was originally founded to be.
2: All I know is that since 1979, these people have been screaming death to America. And, yeah. and we're going to enter into a, an oral agreement that Obama made on his way out the door? Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think so. Yeah. Death to America means bad faith dealings mm-hmm by one side of the contract and uh, this contract is null and void uh, it, it, we, we didn't have a right to negotiate it it's null and
0: void well it was never signed anyway so it just never existed really thank you yeah 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 I mean that's it in a nutshell well Bob uh, tell tell us what you see with the various bubbles that are out there and what do you see where do you see interest rates going Uh, if if in fact the economy starts heating up again and taking off again uh, then uh, don't you see the interest rates going back up
2: yeah uh, uh, I see bubbles in places like automobile loans you know, it's bizarre. People are asking sixty or seventy thousand dollars for a pickup, and that's because all of the, the old debt is getting rolled up. Uh, so the automobile uh, financing has to be examined by the adults, especially since we bailed out these uh, uh, Chrysler and Ford and General Motors. They're no longer longer in a position to dictate term standards and conditions, especially in financing. Uh, We also have uh, Sally Mae and the student loan bubble and uh, nothing less than fascist tactics in collecting these monies from these kids. Uh, who were forced to pay what Tom, Time Magazine called uh, the Chevis-Regal effect. You know, it's not worth $70,000 to go to Notre Dame where I went. Hmm. I I had to pay $7,500 a year to go to Notre Dame, which I was able to earn in the summertime. There isn't a kid in America that can earn seventy seventy five thousand $75,000 to go to Notre Dame or any of the other service-regal uh, universities. So the, the collection of these Sally made debts on uh, bogus college tuition sizes, this has to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Our college presidents aren't worth eight figures. That's just a...
0: a well, benefit. that's for sure, Yeah. Well, and, so, and and Bob, I have to tell you that we we talked about this on Tuesday as well uh, with the medical profession. The fact is, any time the government gets involved in anything, the cost goes up and the results go down. And that certainly is the case with the student loan deal. I mean, that was uh, you know that was purely a, uh, a government play to. Uh, supposedly guarantee everybody the opportunity for a college education, and all they ended up doing is indebting a whole bunch of people and creating a bunch of uh, PhDs and uh, master's degrees that can't even get a job at a Burger King.
2: That's true. And uh, th- these um, these degrees that cost a fortune that, that aren't making you – a uh, useful member of society, I would I would have to say that as a right-wing conservative, a fiscal conservative, I agree with the rock star Bono, Bono from U2. And he's calling for, he calls it debt forgiveness. I uh, call it the biblical term, which is a debt jubilee. I believe that these debts have to be recalculated for no other reason, if for no other reason, so people will perform on them. What kid at 25 years old uh, can face $200,000 in debt and try and figure out how he's going to pay that off before he has a family before he buys a home before he proposes to some girl he's got to pay 200 grand up and the, the the government has uh, uh given the force of the IRS to the collection agency that's yeah. out there shaking shaking down these kids
0: that's wrong well, we, need the thing ju- is, we need a debt we
2: need a debt jubilee a
0: hmm? lot of them are not kids anymore a lot of them are in their 40s and even in their 50s and they're still paying off these uh, these student loans. And all I can say is that, uh, well, I I like you. I pretty much worked my way through school, and I uh, I fortunately, as a as a uh, uh, veteran, I got GI Bill on part of that as well. But uh, you know, I still I worked, uh, and that was the way you worked your way through school, and that just isn't in the cards right now the way the whole system is set up with the government controlling it it's bound to fail it really is bound to fail just because of the way they do everything
2: uh, 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 recalculating or as they say in the bankruptcy courts restructuring these debts is is a priority and, and we we really need to restructure these debts with society in in uh, in mind.
1: Yeah I did agree. you
2: know did you know that the the number one cause of homelessness according to the Los Angeles Times is foreclosure. So what we have here is an arbitrage. The banksters who foreclose and take your home and put you out on the street society has to pick up the tab to put these people into homeless shelters or what have you and uh so the banksters take your home put you out on the street and it make you a burden of society mm-hmm. something it, 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 there's a huge disconnect here yeah and this ha- this has to be addressed all of these debts have to be restructured recalculated and forgiven to some degree.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right. Well, uh, I hate to say this, Bob, but we've run out of time again, and uh, we always That's end up saying names. that because we could just keep talking for hours, but uh, the fact is is that we've run out of time, so I guess I need to get a commitment from you to come back uh, so and I visit with come us back again sometime and, soon.
2: And, and I, I hope your listeners had as much fun as I did.
0: Yeah. Well, I think we had a good time, Bob. Uh, thank with you, With that, uh, I, I thank our listeners for tuning in, and uh, I turn the show back over to you, Kelby. See you, Kelby.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes this week's show with Connecting the Dots with Dan Happel. God bless. Good night. We'll see you next Thursday, 6 p.m. Pacific.